curious, competitive, compassionate. Salespeople are drawn to their careers in much the same way musicians are drawn to music. Once you've learned the language of sales, the beauty is in your ability to personally interpret what you've learned to suit your personality, your interest, and your skill. My name is Roger Burnett, and this is the So You're In Sales podcast, where we consider ways to grow as people as we advance in our careers and learn firsthand from those ahead of us on the path to accelerate our journey. I'm lucky to get to talk every two weeks with entrepreneurs, business owners, thought leaders, authors, and people of all walks of life, each with a unique story to share and a look at their lessons along the way. Prepare to be educated, informed, entertained, and inspired. This is the So You're In Sales Podcast. The So You're In Sales Podcast is sponsored by Social Good Promotions. Social Good Promotions was founded on the premise that any business can stand out from their competition when they are doing things they really believe in. True success these days is measured by the ways your employees feel about working for you and the ways your business is making the community a better place. Ultimately, it's about the ways you and your business will be remembered. If you're looking to grow your sales revenue while activating social good at the same time, we'll be your favorite marketing partner ever. Book a meeting with us at socialgoodpromotions.com, follow us on Instagram at sogoodpromo, and let's get connected. We've done great work using our unique and effective strategy. Let us show you how. Now, on with the show. I had the really good fortune to welcome back episode 44 guest, Sarah Roberts, for a discussion about a recent promotion that she was able to secure, which now sees her as the vice president of business development for Raleigh-based True Staffing Solutions. At 29 years old and as a female, Sarah has really conquered the quest to climb the organizational ladder in a way that is unique and interesting. And I thought it would be great interview topic for us to bring her back on and give us some kind of look between the time that she last talked to us and since she's gotten this role and what impact that's had to her what the current situation and the current environment socioeconomically means to her and what she's trying to accomplish and what she's really trying to do to leave her mark on the job. I thought this is a really insightful interview and I was asking her questions that I knew that she wanted to give answers to. So it was really interesting to give her that opportunity to speak to us about being a woman and being in sales uh, in this time. So give this one a listen. I hope that you enjoy it. So I want to know, Sarah Roberts, did you think two years ago when we had our interview that you were ever going to come back on the show again? Uh, I didn't think so. I didn't know. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't think so. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, it's like I I had my thing to say at that moment in time when we move on. But as a fan of your career, I've been able to kind of watch the arc of what's happened to you since then. And man, this last uh, announcement was kind of a humdinger. So I wanted to make sure that we got you back so we could talk about like, what, what the world's changed, your career has grown, everything's sort of different than it was. That's right. That's right a decade ago in 2019. So <laughs> right. <laughs> for what it feels to be, what it feels to be. 
My goodness. So before we dive into the specifics of what's happened, why don't you frame what it is that you do and for whom and what field and all of that good stuff for the listener? Awesome. Okay. So I am the vice president of recruitment and account management for True Staffing Partners. So we are a global recruiting company that specializes in e-discovery or legal technology, cybersecurity, and data privacy staffing. So, you know, anything from like, you know, an investigation with mobile forensics and, you know, an analyst at that level to, you know, the chief privacy officer at Costco, right? Um, So like when Jeff Bezos' phone got hacked, my client was who they called to figure out who did it, how they did things, just, you know, to put that into perspective as far as like, you know, people not knowing kind of what those words mean, but privacy is a very sexy subject these days and is at the forefront. Virginia just, you know, passed a new privacy law. They're the second state to do so. So it's it's a really interesting and exciting time um, to be doing this. But my role here is, you know, I manage a team of of recruiters that go out and, you know, I'd say 70% of their job is, is going on and reaching out to talent, whether it's, People we know already, new people, gathering people, knowing people, you know, a goal that we'll probably never achieve is knowing every privacy professional, you know, in the Fortune 1000 and up and down the ecosystem. So I manage accounts. Um, once accounts are brought in, I have, to a certain extent, responsibilities of going out and bringing in new accounts. But a lot of my role now, as far as what's changed, has been managing those accounts and upselling into those accounts, if you will, and making sure that as roles open, we're, we're working on those um, as it relates to our, you know, specialization in those tertiary disciplines. So, and then doing a lot more public speaking, writing, webinar, like, you know, just, I've had that responsibility, but as I moved into this role, just more of that responsibility. Yeah, more of a public face of the organization, if you will. Right. Right. Our CEO has always done a lot of that. And he's, you know, I'm sick of being the face of the only face of this company. There's a lot of people here. So, um, yeah, that was the next part I wanted to kind of have you communicate. So size of the organization, footprint, revenues, like, you know, give us a, give us an understanding of what, what you're overseeing. Contractors that work through us on payroll, we do that type of business. So technically, I guess they're employees of us. And I think we have anywhere from I think last year we had our most, it was like almost a hundred. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as like true permanent employees, I think we're right about 20 or 24, somewhere around there. We're actually outgrowing our vendors in a certain, to a certain extent. So having a hand in like hiring and kind of creating those different job jobs for us. But um, Inc. 5,000 fastest growing company, I think three out of the last six years, um, we just were, uh, we just got on regional New York's Inc. 5000 or Inc. fastest growing companies. So, yeah, we're getting up there. We're getting up there. That's right. we, we, we need to make it clear. So Sarah Roberts has the vice president role at this organization at the ripe old age of 29. The whole purpose of this conversation is what people Roger's age would immediately think when somebody 29 gets a vice president job. Like, holy shit, how did Sarah get? a vice president job at 29. And I want to make it clear, you've grown through the ranks of this organization. You you started out 
doing yeah. what it is that the organization does. Mm-hmm. You've risen through the mid-level management ranks. You did the director thing. You've you've grown. You're quintessentially grown from within. But <laughs> but the question that I really wanted to pose to you, and I I, I kind of hinted at it a little bit before we started rolling, is ambitious salespeople sometimes themselves into careers that they're not meant for. Right. It's not that we're incapable of doing the because of our ambition. It's right. because. You don't know how what you're about to do will or will not gratify you. Right, right. Is that accurate? Yes, you, I agree. You know, you know what the previous job did to gratify you, but now, like, it, it's a whole new set of things. And secondarily, you with each passing move, with each step up the hierarchy, you get further and further away from the thing that is what the company does. Right. And so sometimes what I hear from people, climb into the executive ranks very quickly is I really miss the things that our business does. (laughs) So I wanted to spend some time kind of on this journey and like how, how has this rather rapid ascent for you within both this organization, but even pre coming here, you, you were in it to win it from day one. So like, as you sit here now and, I ask you to look back over your shoulder a little bit. What's the view you see behind you? And looking back on it, I think, you know, thought I was going to be an attorney and took the LSAT and did all these things and then kind of had a little bit of a moment before, you know, as I was graduating from college and, you know, actually thought, oh, what do my parents do for a living? And, you know, had the conversation that all of my parents to some capacity are in sales and I hadn't really thought about it. So, realized early on that I was money motivated, but also really liked working with people and and taking that kind of into consideration. And I think, you know, was recruited into recruiting and quickly was able to apply a lot of what I learned in college and actually, you know, the soft skills that I, that I have and feel like I've always had and the drive and the motivation for like setting goals and reaching and achieving goals. And I think, I guess I forget my age. And I don't know that it comes up as often when I'm talking with clients and stuff, because I think it's the fine line of confidence, but also the applicability of being humble and knowing when you know the answer and when you don't know the answer and how you can find the answer, but also knowing what you know, you know, I've been recruiting for almost 10 years, even though I'm young, I've been recruiting longer than, you know, the chief legal officer at Costco, you know what I mean? Like I have more experience than they do in this particular field. They might be interviewing people and have that good skill set and things, but they don't recruit. Right. So, you know, we have the specialization in that space, but I think really honing in on what you like and what you're good at and coming to conversations and approaching your clients and prospective clients with the confidence and the assurance of yourself speaks volumes to them without even realizing that, but also having a little bit of teeth and pushing back on people a bit and just making sure that they know, like, you know, this is what I do. I'm not coming in there and I mean, you'd be nice about it, but I'm not coming in there and telling you how to do your job. You know, this is what I do and what I specialize in. And you know, if you need somebody that specializes in this, this is who we are and what we do and we're the best. But, you know, it depends on what you're looking for and what the need is. Sometimes we're the right fit for some people and sometimes we're not. But I guess my long-winded answer is 
I really actually enjoy what I do and working with people. And I actually like genuinely feel happy when I can create an opportunity or put somebody in a position in a situation or a new job that really and truly is the right fit for them. Um, and I also think that I'm pretty, you know, I think my friends from high school and college would, wouldn't think I'm as direct, but at work I'm very direct. So I think for me, it's, you know, having the confidence and the ability to, to be very honest with people and saying, look, that's not the right job for you. Like, I don't think we should look at that or look, I know you're not looking, but this, this position and this situation doesn't come around as often. So you got to trust me on this one and have that conversation with them. And I think when you know what you know, and you are confident in what you know, and you know that you know more than that person does on that topic, it, it doesn't matter as much about age and things. It just matters that you like what you're doing and you know what you're doing and you're not just doing it to make money. I can go make this, you know, you can go make money doing anything. Right. Yeah. Yep. You got it. You're, that you're just you're just plucking them off with your BB gun, like just one right after the other. All the things. Well, Macklemore said ten thousand hours, so one. Right. And then he said, "Make the money, don't let the money make you." That's so right. between those two things, you you really articulated two very good Macklemore songs. So right. <laughs> and and so uh, the second part of that is, do you feel like being female at all plays a role in what? you have to project from a confidence perspective? I guess my annoying answer is I think it depends because there's definitely clients that I have that will go back to our CEO when something happens and then he'll pull me back in. And I don't, maybe knowing the culture, that person's background, they assume since I'm a female something or I'm young or something. I mean, I did this a while back and I haven't put it back up there. Maybe I will later. I didn't put the year I graduated from college on my LinkedIn so people can see where I went to school. And I, it has on there the years that I spent at other places. So if somebody really wanted to figure it out, I would say probably 60% of the time, 70% of the time that doesn't as much come up. But I do think, I do think it's actually recruiting happens to have more females in my opinion than males, but leadership positions in companies aren't often female. Um, I think one of the really cool things about our company is that myself and we have one other vice president, she and I are both female and then the CFO and the CEO are male. So we have a really good balance to things. Um, and the other managers and directors of our company are also female. So we have a very heavy female presence as an organization. Um, but I do think it's less often that you see executives in like female executives in, in, um, you know, leadership roles as often, I would say. But I think recruiting is a little bit different because sales is much more male dominated across the board, 1000%. I, you know, I recruited in sales and head up most of our sales recruitment here. And I think I've probably placed, you know, 85% of the salespeople I've placed are men. I get it. And, and, you know, IT, cyber is part of the larger IT community, which has a tendency to be very male dominated. So- So knowing that there's a lane that affords the opportunity for advancement that that shows that there are businesses in this space that right. are creating opportunities for females to me, you know, I, I didn't want to just gloss over that part of it. I oh, no, important. definitely not. I think it's important. I definitely think it's important. I agree. So let's talk a little bit about the, like the actual making of the sausage for what you do now. So, yeah. you know, you're managing managers. Is, is that accurate? 
Yes. So there is a tremendously different dynamic when you're managing managers than when you're managing frontline staff. What what has been a little noteworthy to you about that? And it, what was and then the second part of that I want to ask you, and if you forget because you got to answer the first one, I can ask it to you again. But did you come to this promotion with like there's something specific I want to get done? Or was it more I have evolved into the responsibility of this position and less more about, you know, uh, trying to get something specific done? So I came to this role and like in a, in a recruiting company like we're in, there's definitely new responsibilities and positions and, and things that you have to do. But my goal, at least before the end of the year is that you get to a certain point as a salesperson and no matter how much, you know, there's only enough hours in the day and there's only so many hours in the day. So for me, it's a situation of how do I do two times, three times, four times what I'm doing in the same amount of time, because I I do work a lot. Am I going to then hire more people under me and like kind of build up because I can start to delegate. And that's kind of what I've started to do now. But at what point as a strategic leader in the company, do we suggest let's look at acquiring this other type of company so that that's under me and I can build that out and manage and oversee that. Like, it's going to be like my goal this year in managing other managers and things will be not only to do more with the same amount of time, but okay, well, if I hire more people and delegate more, does that actually in the end create more work for me rather than just doing more with less, if that makes sense. And doing just, you know, more revenue and bringing on more clients with, you know, and just working smarter. Um, Because generally speaking, I mean, we have amazing workflows and, we're very fast paced and where do I go now? Like there's only so much I can do with so much time in one day. How does it change for me to go from this point to then really actually helping the company grow? Not just at what point does that just, you know, I can't do more. Most of the time when I'm interviewing entrepreneurs who have grown their business to a certain concern, right. Typically, the first thing they'll say to you is, I didn't realize how much I was going to end up managing money, people, and time. Right. And that really is what you're saying. It's right. how do, what can I get the most out of what I have based on the time I have and the money I have? Right. Exactly. Suddenly, it's an acquisition might be the best return on investment given what the opportunity is. And you need to have had the training that you got with your advanced degree to give you the opportunity to feel confident, to know how to evaluate and then have someone that you can bounce that information off in senior leadership to say like, okay, am I on the right track here? So that's all super cool. And it's like laser focus on a singular objective is scale. Right. And scale for you at your revenue number is different than when the business was in its infancy and it requires a different skill set. Right in order to achieve that. So it's good that you see that in the horizon because, you know, you're going to, that those will be uh, uh, big bumps in the road if you don't know that they're coming up there. Right. And when you you tell your boss how much money you want to make, you know, this year, next year, in five years, then he's like, well, something's got to change because you can't just do more of the same, but we want to make it happen. You know what I mean? So it's just, you know, it's, it's a very cool conversation to be able to be having that, very specific, but also very broad, you know, let's, let's solve this problem. And at the same time, you know, 
make a lot of money and do a lot of fun stuff. So, yeah. Okay. Last question. 2021, we have vaccines either in arms or coming. We have, uh, you know, depending on what marketplace you deal in and what talent you're looking for, there's people density and there's people scarcity. Right. So, So talk to me about the marketplace as you see it. And if there are listeners who are contemplating you know, what, what does the state of my labor status mean this year? What, what would be your advice to them? Well, we're very busy. If that accounts for anything, I don't know if like us as a company necessarily being busy. It, when we as a company are busy, like in most, I think, recruiting companies, this may happen. It, it definitely reflects like the labor market and things and what's going on, generally speaking. I'd say we're getting more and more like high level leadership roles, executive positions and things early this year. We normally see that come like Q3 because they want to get somebody in and geared up for Q1 of the following year. It's going to be a bit more of the same, in my opinion, this year, as we saw last year. But I actually think just in general, the market is is growing and, you know, even the stock market, like everything's going really well right now. So I think we're going to continue to see that rise. And so we keep track and this is only positions that we obviously staff on and recruit in and things, but we keep track from an analytics analytics standpoint on so many different things. And one of the things is remote positions versus in office relocations and such. And, you know, in 2017, I think we predicted in 2019, we'd be at like you know, 23% of our positions would end up being remote. I think we were pretty close. I think it ended up being a bit higher. Um, And then two years ago, we thought remote positions would be somewhere like 35%, give or take. Um, And last year in 2020, it was 87% of the positions we placed were remote. Like we would have never thought that that was the case. Now, a lot of companies have then decided, okay, commercial, like we're not going to stay in the offices and we're going to change and things like that. Big corporations, law firms, those type of executive level roles still want people in office when it's safe and things. But the opportunity for hybrid remote workforce and, you know, coming into an office or traveling as needed and things is definitely going to be, um, you know, companies are going to be at a disadvantage in my opinion, and their candidate pools are going to shrink tremendously if they're requiring in the year of 2021 for a candidate to be in an office. Um, So I think that it'll just depend on what companies end up doing, how quickly people are actually like going to get the vaccines and things to see when things kind of go back to pseudo normal. But I think gone are the days of companies only hiring 23% across the board remote roles. I think we're, you know, we're much beyond that. And as a result of companies realizing people can be, and unfortunately took a global pandemic for companies to realize people would still be um, productive at home. But I think we're going to be able to hire a lot more and companies are going to continue to do better. And we learned a lot from what happened because we can be remote and, you know, people can still continue to, you know, be profitable and grow and things with hiring, you know, a remote workforce. 87%. 87%. Good Lord. All right. Well, that's a hidden nugget in there for the end. So thanks for yeah. giving us that perspective. And so I guess next time I talk to you, you'll be CEO. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know if I want that job, honestly. I don't uh-huh. know. Maybe we finally found the spot on the org chart that you like now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think for now, this is this is a good spot for me for now. So. All right. Fair enough. Well, Sarah, thanks so much for doing it. And uh, 
maybe maybe we'll get lucky and they'll be number three. Who knows? My <laughs> pleasure. Thanks so much. A 29-year-old female vice president in cybersecurity. I think that would be like positions in IT organizations for 1,000 as a Jeopardy question. You just don't see that happen very often. It's the combination of being incredibly young and also a female in a traditionally male-dominated space that rarely makes that story unique. But if you listen to the elements of Sarah's character when it comes to determination and creativity and really being willing to what she calls have some teeth in what she says because she's speaking from experience and hours and hours and hours spent doing the work that her clients really need her to do. So having that confidence oftentimes in a female is one of the things that I've witnessed females needing a little bit more coaching and guidance on. So it's really great to see her blossom and have an organization that's supporting her and giving her the opportunity to really be able to learn on the job and to bring her perspectives on how to grow the organization, even if it means doing something that's been traditionally out of their comfort zone, like doing an acquisition. I thought it was a really insightful look at the ways that a person, regardless of their race, color, creed, gender, or age, are approaching the tactics and strategies necessary to be successful in the economy today. So I hope that you too were able to gather something of value out of that. And if you did, please feel free to share that around with other folks so that they too might be able to hear something that could potentially be of benefit to them in the things that they do in their jobs on a day in and day out basis. If you like what you're hearing and you haven't done so already, please subscribe. We are getting very, very close to our 100th episode, and there are about to be some really big surprises that I am going to unveil as a result of us crossing that very prestigious milestone. I didn't realize this when I first started, but the average podcast only gets five episodes under their belts before they call it a day. So being able to get to 100 is really important and special to me, and I hope that you'll join me for that 100th episode in late April as we lay out what it is that you'll get from us going forward in the podcast in the episodes uh, past 100. Thanks again for everything that you do in supporting us in our efforts to bring you high-quality content like this. Until next time, this is Roger signing out.